Wake up, wake up, 502. It is going down. Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. We are the Big X, and I am Rashawn Myers. This is Wake Up 502, getting you ready for an absolutely loaded, loaded show, a loaded weekend of sports action. University of Louisville basketball is back on the court uh, in about, uh, looks like about three hours from now. Uh, then, of course, you have, uh, excuse me, divisional round weekend. I almost said wildcard. Wild, wildcard weekend was pretty good. But, no, divisional round of the NFL playoffs, uh, the best round of all the rounds, in my personal opinion. Just a lot of great matchups. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the commentary by Kenny Payne. We're going to get into the the loss that Louisville took on the road at North Carolina on Wednesday and Kenny Payne's comments after the fact. Uh, we're going to get into that and much, much more. Um, I tell you what, man, I, I am super, super excited. I am very much pumped uh, for today's show. Haven Harrington will be joining uh, here soon as well, and I want to get Haven's thoughts um, of course, he was out and about last week, so I did not get to, to discuss much with him um, about uh, the upcoming uh, playoffs. Of course, uh, his uh, Dallas Cowboys <laughs> going down again. I, I, I tried to t- I tried to warn people. I tried to warn everybody. The Green Bay is not playing games with y'all right now. I tried to warn you. I said I, I knew the games would be close. I knew that the Green Bay Packers were playing well and they were going to have a very good chance to make that game close and have an opportunity to win it. Now, did I see them blowing out Dallas um, at Dallas? I did not see them blowing them out. Um, But I definitely um, thought the Packers had an opportunity to win that game and Jordan Love and crew, uh, wow. Uh, So, yeah, I definitely want to get Haven Haven Harrison's comments on, on that. I also want to get his comments on the fact that Jerry Jones has decided to keep around Mike McCarthy. Um, So we'll get into the pro talk, the NFL talk, of course, the Ravens taking on uh, the Houston Texans. That'll be coming up in the second hour 
Um, but of course, as always, we like to keep it local and keep it uh, focused um, here on everything going on. Jeff Brom making moves once again. Big time additions. Another Tennessee volunteer this week committed. Um, another big uh, announcement of a big time player returning as well. Um, I know that it is the middle of basketball season, and for me, um, basketball is always first and foremost in my brain, even when it's when it's football season. But I can't lie to y'all, man. Some of the moves that Louisville's making right now, and some of the things that they have um, coming down the pipe, I just, <laughs> I, I to say that I am excited for Louisville football uh, for this upcoming year, uh, you know, and I'm never the well, I'm just going to ignore everything going on with basketball and just talk football guy. There's plenty of shows that, that try to do that, <laughs> okay? Um, but I'm not one of those. But, man, just announcement after announcement, commitment after commitment. Um, like, Jeff Brom is going to be just not necessarily playing with uh, uh, with house money, but he's going to have – just a treasure trove of big-time athletes to choose from uh, for this upcoming season. So I definitely want to get into that as well. Um, but I tell you what, first, of course, we need to start by looking back. Uh, when we look back and we talk about the University of Louisville basketball Cardinals, they were on the court on Wednesday night facing probably the best team in the ACC, University of North Carolina. It was a game that, of course, everybody knew was going to be Tough sledding uh, for the Cardinals, the team that uh, you know six and ten on the year, uh, one and four in the ACC. Uh, you know a situation where there, there there wasn't much that you know nobody thought that Louisville was going to go out there and win that game. Okay, uh, everybody understood the assignment. Of course, yes, they did play well and uh, find a way to knock off um, Miami on, on the road uh, the previous Wednesday. But you know. Nobody thought it was going to be um, f fairly competitive, okay? So we understood. I believe uh, Louisville was like a 24-and-a-half-point uh, underdog going into that game. So there was no expectation uh, on the game. The game went pretty much as scripted. Um, I, I will say that the University of Louisville has, con uh, you know, they did continue their hot shooting, which is impressive that they were able to shoot so well against the North Carolina team that, of course, while classically North Carolina has been more of a up-tempo offensive team that didn't really focus as much on the defense, um, you know, that Carolina team uh, came into the game only giving up 69 points a game. Now, for to Louisville's credit, they did end up scoring 70 points um, in the game. So, you know, Carolina did keep Louisville right around their average for what they give up per game. Um, but I, I will say that Louisville's offense – um, definitely impressed me uh, just with the fact that they continued to shoot the ball very well from the perimeter, um, shot 8 of 18 from 3. That's good for 44.5%. Um, they continued to shoot it well overall. They shot it at 49%. So, I mean, the numbers definitely looked better for Louisville. Um, you know, much better than what I anticipated. I did not think they could go on the road to Chapel Hill and shoot that well offensively. Um, but I, I think that, honestly, that's a testament to the fact that Louisville has some 
very, very good players, individual talents on this team. And that's very, you know, that that's actually very impressive considering that for the last three games, Kenny Payne has started two guys that are giving you just about nothing, um, you know, in, in the form of Hersey Miller and Danilo Jovanovic. I mean, those two guys are starting for whatever reason, um, not really playing much. It's kind of like, Miller and Jovanovic have taken over the role that, that Dennis Evans had uh, before Big D got um, set down with the medical issues, you know, where, you know, Dennis was starting the game, getting the jump ball, getting subbed out within the first two and a half minutes of the game, and then just pretty much never played. Um, I don't know Kenny's reasoning behind that. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it's kind of a um, – you know, a, a a nod that the guys are playing hard in practice or playing, you know, doing doing whatever they need to. But I just, A, personally, fine. Hersey Miller is a decent defensive player. But really and truthfully, neither one of those two guys should be starting. I don't like it. Um, Louisville has still shot the ball and, and scored very well, even those even though those guys have been starting. The problem is against a team like North Carolina, you have two guys that, you know, at best are two to three minute stop gap guys. When you have those two guys starting, it really puts you behind the eight ball because you're just about playing three on five to start every game. And, you know, that definitely bit Louisville in the butt against North Carolina on Wednesday night where they pretty much went out there and got down immediately about 10 points. And, it, you know, it, it did put them behind the eight ball. Not saying that had, you know, Louisville started, you know, I, if, if they start Tyler Johnson and uh, I don't know, I, I mean, I personally like like Williams. I like I think that, that he is the – Curtis Williams Jr. is the guy that uh, probably should be starting at that other spot. Um that would be who I would go with, or Caleb Glenn. I mean, if if you want to have more of a physical um, presence out there, then you start Caleb Glenn instead of Jovanovic. If you wanted to go with more of a four-out, one-in type of setup, uh, you know, kind of similar to what Chris Mack used to run with. I know everybody just gets all squirmy when I say Chris Mack nowadays. But, um, you know, if they wanted to do that, then you could go with Curtis Williams and do the four-out with uh, Huntley Hatfield down in the middle. Uh, I mean, that may actually even work better for just spacing and, and everything else. But, you know, I would like to see Louisville. I just – I don't know what Kenny is trying to accomplish with just starting these dudes. I mean, Jovanovic literally started the game, played the first three or four minutes, and then didn't play the rest of the game. Literally did not touch the court the rest of the game. If you have a guy – like, unless it's senior day – and you are starting a guy on senior day because he's a senior. He's not, you know, one of your good players. He's, he's one of your your role players or one of your guys who keep the GPA up. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, un, unless it's one of those situations, you should never start a guy that you don't intend on playing at least 20 minutes in the game, in my personal opinion. Hersey Miller ended up playing 10 minutes in that game. Jovanovic played four. Guys that are getting that type of minutes shouldn't be starting. Like, there's what's the point? Is this, oh, you're, you're working hard, so I want to prove it? Like, Hersey Miller literally was not playing at all until these last three games. And when I say not playing at all, I mean he was the guy that would come in with about a minute, minute and a half left 
And, you know, there you go. So now Kenny's completely flipped to the other side of the, you know, the the, the coin and went from playing Hersey just no minutes, where I think Hersey could have played maybe eight to ten minutes, you know, to spell Tyler Johnson uh, or Sky Clark in, you know, when there's foul trouble or things like that. He went from, you know, th- that's the role he should have been playing, that he wasn't playing. Okay, I thought he was better than a one- or two-minute guy. But now you flipped it to the other side to where now you're starting him. You're still only playing him about the number of minutes he should be playing, or like the five to ten. But if he's playing five to ten minutes, he shouldn't be starting. Like it just it, – it, it's driving me bananas just because, you know, Tyler Johnson is playing – the best of all the guards, Tyler Johnson's playing the best. Sky Clark is about the most. Um, he gets my Darius Perry award <laughs> uh, for for this team. And, and when I say the Darius Perry award, like, or I, I don't know if is it is it you know. And, and you all can tell me, of course, if you want to get involved, the best way to get involved five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. That is the Thornton's text line. Uh, would love to hear from you. Make sure you go to any of the uh, local area Thornton's locations uh, here in town. One of the uh, eighty six thousand three hundred and forty two Thornton's locations for the best in gas, goodies, grub, and all that. Uh, all the other good things you can get there. You can get your nitro brew. You can get some good old coffee. You can get a uh, you know, they got, what, the nugget ice? You can get the nugget ice and get the big gulp. Um, all the good things you can get at Thornton's. Um, but I'd love to hear from you at, at the 502-414-1450. You can also give me a call uh, at the Wake Up 502 buzz line, 502-384-1450 as well. Um, but, but I'd love to hear your commentary on your thoughts uh, just in regards to um, – you know, the, who, the, whose award do you give it to for the, the guard who drives you crazy? He can do a lot of good stuff or, you know, do a lot of stuff that makes you scratch your head. Uh, Scott Clark is definitely the winner of that. I don't know if you want to call it the uh, the Darius Perry Award or, or the Edgar Sosa Award. I guess Edgar Sosa is definitely the most frustrating dude that I ever watched that played that position that just was like, what are you doing Good job, like over and over and over again. And Sky Clark is that guy for me because while Sky has been shooting the ball very well, he really struggles to do anything to help the offense get anything done. And I know that's that sounds counterintuitive, but he's a guy that is so talented with the ball in his hands. He can create his own shot. And, you know, he shot a very hot basketball on uh, Wednesday night, uh, going 6-12 from the field, 4-5 from three, um, four assists. He did have three turnovers. But he shot the ball very well. But the problem with Scott Clark is he's a ball stopper. Like, every time he gets the ball in his hands, he just dribble, 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 dribble. I mean, he just dribbles the ball until it's about to just – just go flat just until the air is just dribbled out of the ball. And, and that's the thing about him. It's like he's only good for himself on the court. Like, like that's, the, I think, the biggest difference between he and Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson plays such an efficient and just intelligent brand of basketball. Um, and, you know, he did not have a great game shooting the ball. But the, the, the thing with Tyler is he's always it's, it feels like every time Tyler has the ball, he's looking to attack to make something happen for both him and others. Um, you know, and, and that's indicative of the fact that he only got 
He only had 17 minutes in the game against North Carolina. Ended up with four assists. He did have two turnovers. But, you know, a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio is good, for, especially for a freshman on the road playing a number, you know, a top-five North Carolina team. That's not bad. He didn't shoot the ball well. He was one of seven uh, from the field. Um, you know, and I think the Carolina size may have bothered him a little bit. But still, he did what you want your point guard to do. Um, he distributed. Uh, he got guys shots. Um, you know, that, that's what you ask for. I mean, he played half the minutes that Sky Clark did, and they both had the same number of assists. Uh, Clark with four, Tyler Johnson with four. Um, and I think that's probably the, the biggest issue I have with, with Sky is that he really only impacts Louisville in a positive on the offensive end when he's scoring well, when he's shooting the ball well. Um, and, and, and that's a problem. Like both he and Trey white are two guys that it just feels like they are only contributing to the team when they're able to score the basketball. It doesn't really feel like either one of those two guys are making anybody else around them better. You know, like, like I feel like sky ends up with four assists, but it's really only four assists because he just has the ball in his hands all the time. It's kind of like, you know, I love Kobe Bryant. He's a career, you know, seven-assist-a-game guy. But, you know, when you have the ball in your hands so much, you're going to get a lot of assists, you know, if you just constantly have the ball in your hands. Um, you know, and, and I feel like that's who Sky Clark is. He's a dude that just – he's going to have the ball, and he's going to have it in his hands so much that he's going to – at some point, you know, when you kick it over to, 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 you know, good shooters like Curtis Williams Jr. or you're able to slip Brandon Huntley Hatfield and catch him down low for an assist, when you have the ball in your hands for, you know, 60% of the team's possessions, you should end up with four, you know, four, three, four, five assists if you're on a decent team. Um, but I just the, – those two guys are, are the two that I really just don't – know how to take them. It just feels like if they're not scoring, they're not doing anything else of note for your team. And and that has been something, especially with Trey White, that has just gotten worse and worse as the season goes along. Trey just feels like he's out there. He's not. He's still not playing uh, any sort of defense at all. I mean, you look at his, his stat line, zero blocks, zero steals, zero assists uh, in 31 minutes and only one rebound. For a guy that's playing 31 minutes, the only thing you've done is shoot the ball a lot. He shot, took eight, eight shot attempts, hitting five of them, scored 12 points. Like, Trey White's not doing anything unless he's scoring the basketball. Those two guys, when they are scoring well, they at least help your team because they're going to put up points. But, man, they don't do anything else to help the squad. Um, you know, and on the flip side of that, uh, you know, you have guys like Tyler Johnson, who I, I really feel is the probably the second most valuable guy on the team outside of Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Brandon Huntley Hatfield has been playing very good ball. He gave uh, Armando Baycott all that he wanted. Um, I was impressed with him going out there and playing as well as he did. He was in foul trouble just because it's hard because Carolina gets the ball to Baycott and he's going to, to, to power through you, and he's going to get those finishes around the hoop. And you're going to get some of those calls on him. I mean, he's the, the, the you know, elder statesman in the league. He's been there forever. Um, but even with that, you know, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, 7 of 10 from the field, 15.6 rebounds, and just playing strong and being a presence down low. Like, I really felt like while you know Baycott's the best big man in the league, 
I felt like in that matchup, it seemed like Huntley Hatfield could say, you know what, you may be the best big man in the league, but I'm prob- there's probably not two or three big guys that are better than me. And that was impressive. I mean, the growth of Huntley Hatfield in his personal game this year um, has been commendable. I mean, I, I have to give it to him. Brandon and, and Kenny has put so much into getting Brandon that confidence and helping him understand what he needs to do and how he needs to play. He's made Brandon Huntley Hatfield some money. Um, I, th- that's one thing that is without a doubt um, is that I really and truly believe that Brandon Huntley Hatfield is probably going to make a roster in the NBA next year because of Kenny Payne's um, work with him. Uh, and while I have a lot of issues with a lot of what Kenny Payne has done, um, I have no problem with saying that, yeah, he's turned uh, Brandon around and he's gotten he, he's helped Brandon to turn a corner that I don't even know he understood or knew how to get to. So I do give credit for that. But, you know, Huntley Hatfield is is definitely your most valuable guy. I think Tyler Johnson is your second most valuable guy. And I think that the, the now, you know, the, 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 the third guy on that roster in terms of importance, it's got to be Curtis Williams Jr. Curtis Williams Jr. is playing at a very high level. These two freshmen, when you talk about your most important players on the team, and, you know, when I'm talking about the top three, two of the three are freshmen. Like, that's crazy. Like, the, the, the level in which Tyler Johnson and Curtis Williams Jr. are playing, um, I did not expect uh, this year. Um, Curtis Williams reminds me so much of um, uh, the, the young man that played at UConn last year, Hawkins, um, you know, that, that won the, uh, the, the uh, MOP of the Final Four. Um, it just is – a, an efficient scorer of shooters. Now, I'm not saying that he's on his level yet, um, but that he's built very similarly, 6'7", 6'8", long, very efficient jump shot, very confident stroke. That is a young man. I, You know, hopefully he stays at Louisville, um, but I guarantee you that young man is opening eyes everywhere. Um, you know, so I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's going to be folks that come a-calling trying to get him and pull him uh, out, out of Louisville uh, via the, the transfer portal because um, he's just playing so efficiently. He's shooting the ball very well. Um, he still gets lost defensively, um, but for what he's doing and how he can do it with his size, and he plays hard, he plays smart, um, he just – He's playing so much better. And when you have that guy who's a knockdown shooter and you have got to um, respect that, then that gives Brandon Huntley Hatfield more uh, space to work on the inside. It gives Sky Clark uh, and Tyler Johnson a guy to look to, to get the ball to, to where they don't have to put up a bunch of bad shots. So, you know, I really, really love what Curtis Williams Jr. is doing right now. Um just a, a, a very, very efficient guy. And I think that's where we're at this year, watching what guys like Curtis Williams, Tyler Johnson, and Caleb Glenn, who's starting to get more and more minutes, um, just giving a ton of energy, a ton of effort, still trying to find his confidence offensively. Um, he really, really seems to be um, – It's not, the ball's a hot potato. I always tell my son uh, when I watch him playing out there, it's like some, sometimes he gets the ball – 
And it's almost like as soon as the ball touches his hand on offense, all he's doing is looking to get somebody else the ball. He's not looking to be aggressive with it. I feel like that's where Caleb Glenn is. Caleb Glenn is, a, is an athletic guy. You know, he's a bit undersized to be playing the four. He's more of a tweener between the, the, the three and the four, a lot like a Dwayne Sutton. Um, I would like to see him get a little bit more aggressive with the ball, um, you know, both with, you know, the, the catch-and-shoot situations. I mean, at, at La Lumiere last year when he transferred to the prep school, he really took a lot of time to work on his jump shot and really took a lot of time to kind of round out that part of his game. And, and while I don't necessarily need him going out there and shooting a bunch of jumpers, I at least like the fact that, you know, he's able to go out there, uh, you know, if, if he was able to at least make himself a threat, um, I think that would be helpful. Um, but, you know, C Caleb Glenn, I like what he's doing. I like what all these freshmen are doing, and, and that's the mode that I'm in right now, right, is let's see what the, the young guys do and um, see how they grow and progress to see what Louisville has go going down the road. I think that's, you know, the best place to be. Of course, people are still wondering if Kenny Payne is going to return, if he's going to have his job next year and, um, you know, all of those types of things. But, you know, th when you have this core of young players that are doing what they are doing right now, and, of course, Trey White's only a sophomore also. Um, but, you know, when you have those those three guys in Johnson, Williams, and Glenn that are kind of showing you who, who and what they can be. And then, of course, Mike James, who's been playing very well as of late, um, only a sophomore. Uh, you know, Louisville has a core of guys that down the road, they, you could see them being a part of something special. So while there's a lot to be frustrated about and there's a lot to be annoyed about and there's a lot to complain about, at least with these players, um, that's what I see. And that's the, the potential that they have, um, you know. But then, of course, North Carolina does win the game. Louisville did make a, a valiant run. Uh, in the second half, got it down to as small as a five-point lead for North Carolina until the you know the Tar Heels ended up pushing it out. I was really never worried about, or not, I don't want to say worried. There was never any belief that Louisville was going to win that game, in my personal opinion. Like it was cute that they they made a run, it was nice, but North Carolina at no point felt like they were in trouble. It really seemed like one of those things where North Carolina had the the game in hand. Maybe they they had a little bit of slippage in terms of their focus. And they allowed Louisville to get back into it. Louisville shooting a hot basketball, um, as they have been recently, got it close. But it never felt like North Carolina was any trouble. And Louisville never really felt like they had an actual opportunity to win the game. Um, so, you know, I, I, I give them credit for not quitting. I mean, that's one thing that we continue to talk about is that this team doesn't quit, which I don't think that, you know, as a Division One high-level basketball play, player playing at the University of Louisville, you should ever be quitting in basketball games. Um, so I, I give them credit for that, but that's not I'm not you're not getting extra credit for it. I, I expect that of you. I expect that you continue to play until the end of the game. So I like it, but I'm not gonna go overboard with it. Um but you know, I, I will say that, okay? Um Louisville came out there, they played better than expected, they shot it better than expected, they still don't play a snitch of defense. Um, you know, they, they gave up 45.5% shooting from the three. North Carolina shot at 48% from the field. Um, you know, they, they re rebounding, they got pounded on the boards, 40-28. to 28. Um, You know, gave up 12 offensive rebounds. So, you know, they, they still uh, defensively, which is their biggest issue, 
they're still not doing anything defensively. So while they are definitely playing better offensively, this is reminds me a lot of last year where you know Louisville found some things offensively last year. L. Ellis quit turning the ball over as much. Jalen Withers really got into a good groove shooting the basketball, uh, and they were able to at least do some things offensively, but it was always their defense that was the reason that Louisville lost games last year. Their defense is why Louisville is losing games this year. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what that means. Um, I'll tell you that, that you know, Kenny Payne told us what he thinks it means with some of his comments after the game, and, and that's what I want to get into on the other side of the break. Um, <laughs> brother man, just, just he just keeps on just every time he talks, you know, every, every time he talks, y'all. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Hopefully, Haven Harrington has some thoughts on that as well. Um, I, I would love to hear that, uh, you know, and I'd love to hear from you as well. We're, of course, taking your text 502-414-1450. Um, that is the, uh, the the Thornton's text line. Would love to hear your thoughts on the game, the players, Kenny Payne's comments. Of course, you all know what they are. We'll rehash those when I come back. But I tell you what, this is Rashawn Myers. This is Wake Up 502. We are the Big X, and we'll be back. Second segment of the day, Wake Up 502, Rashawn Myers, now Haven Harrington joining you live from the Palatial Studios, 96.1 FM, WXVW and 1450 AM. Haven Harrington, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm cold. <laughs> Very cold. Yeah, it's just, just a little cold outside. Like, it's frigid, bro. It's, it's, my son has to work. Uh, they're having a, uh, a junior J- JV jamboree at Holy Cross this morning. So I had to get up all early to get him to uh, uh, to to school so he could go out there and help run the concessions, sell tickets, all that good stuff. Man, let me tell you something. He had to be there by like 8 a.m., which means I'm up and out and about and trying to go warm up the car about 7.15 or 7.45. It's too cold. Like, it's too cold. Like, I don't know. What, what's it, two degrees outside? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's just I can't. I can't deal with it. I I, I definitely I, I was in Miami a few weeks ago, Haven. I'm already ready to go back. <laughs> I would be too. Good Lord. It's like what do you call this? The the frozen tundra? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Arctic blast. Yes, the Arctic vortex. It's vortexing all right. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. So uh, Haven Harrington, of course, so glad you could join us. Uh, missed you last week. Uh, Roman did a good job in your stead uh, handling things and holding it down. Um, all things well with you? Everything going good? What's what's going on with you? I know you got some, something coming up uh, today. You're going to be doing an event, right? Man, uh, you know, for, for those who don't know that uh, we here at Wake Up 502, we do a, a pretty good job of covering local uh, local sporting events. 
specifically like boxing and MMA. So I am proud to uh, to let everybody know that I will be at the Ali Center today for uh, the first ever fights held at the Ali Center. It's like the first time ever they're holding professional boxing at the Ali Center, and I will be there. The fights start at, I do believe, um, the fights start at 6 o'clock, so it's pretty early in the evening. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be good times and fun have all. I'm excited. Can't wait. There we go. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so down there at the Ali Center, so you get to, uh, you know, the the, uh, the the museum of the greatest is now going to have some some fights there. That's that's going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah, make sure y'all get down there and and check it out. I I, I don't know if you have uh, all the details. You might want to search for them and give them to folks before the end of the show because you know the the millions upon millions that, that listen to this are waiting for you to tell them where to go to Haven Harrington. So make sure you get all the. Well, you know, you can't miss the Ali Center right down there off of uh, 7th and Main. This is true. Off River Road. Uh, Doors open at, uh, yeah, the fight starts at 6. I believe doors open like at 5. The fight starts at 6 o'clock. Okay, okay. Uh, And you have like two, uh, you know what, let let me see if I can get a little bit of the card up. Yeah, I know you have uh, heavyweight Timothy Moulton, local. Ah, Tim Moulton, yeah, Local big guy is going to be on the card. He's fighting. Uh, you have like at least two championship fights. You have uh, the UBO uh, title fight. Mayhem Moten, by the way. That's like right. Nickname. Uh, Iwike Nicolodold is fighting uh, Clinton Chavez for the uh, for the WBO title fight here. So you don't want to miss that. And this is the Rudell Stitch Classic. So oh, nice. That's what they're calling it. And uh, so you got the ladies champion on the line as well. With uh, Yasmin Ravis going against Samantha Worthington. There it is. Uh, well, it, 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 I know some people are like, who, who's Rudell Stitch? Uh, uh, Haven, do, do you have a, a short little... Oh, man, yeah, for those who don't know, Rudell Stitch would have been considered the greatest of all time. Uh, he was the one amateur boxer that Muhammad Ali could never beat. And many folks thought that he was actually a lot better than Ali. That's crazy. Oh yeah, but uh, but he died unfortunately trying to save folks from drowning in the Ohio River. Yeah, yeah, Rudy Stitch, man. So you know now, now y'all know. If you didn't know, now you know. They're knowing this half the battle. There you go. I like it, GI Joe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, Haven Harrington. So of course, the first segment of the day, you know, with it being basketball season, I went on my long diatribe. I'm sure you're happy that you didn't have to listen to me do the breakdown of the game. You know, as Louisville continues to struggle through ACC play now one and five, but you know, kind of went into the, the to the player portion of it, and I did that intentionally um, because I wanted to wait for you uh, to get in here so I so I could you know get to the meat and potatoes with you with the biggest thing that everybody's been talking about for the last several days. Scott Drew, <laughs> no, Mick uh, Cronin, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. Mick Cronin is struggling at UCLA. They've lost like nine games in a row. Did you know that? But you know, I've I've heard he may be struggling purpose so yeah that's a let me tell you something you never want to be that bad no you don't (laughs) you know like if if you're gonna try to tank a little bit uh, you never want to lose like 10 9 10 11 games in a row that just never looks good (laughs) but um um of course Kenny Payne's comments after the North Carolina loss we talked about the the good the bad and the ugly of the North Carolina loss in the first segment but Kenny Payne um once again had the opportunity to sit down in front of a microphone, which I think he may just want to just stop talking in front of microphones 
Just, just yeah, please. He needs to leave like the the, the press conferences alone. <laughs> but he came out, Haven, after the game, and um, you know, our, our own homeboy, uh, C Breezy, C L Brown, uh, asked Kenny Payne a question, asking, you know, how much time is enough time before you know you believe that you can start to um, give opinions on, on a tenure. He said, you know, kind of if you're comparing yourself to, to the job that Hubert Davis has done in North Carolina and what the job that you're doing at Louisville right now, you know, how much time do you think is enough time to, for people to start to either, you know, have an opinion and gather whether it's been successful. And while I definitely understand Kenny was like, well, you know, what Hubert took over at North Carolina and what I took over at Louisville is two, two different things. And, and I'll agree with that. That's 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 not a untrue fact. That that is completely true. But then pretty much everything Kenny said after that was just ridiculous. Uh, and basically said that you know while while you know I I I inherited something that was broken, and I inherited something that was just completely a disaster. So you know the way I feel about it, this is my first year coaching at Louisville. This is my first year. Last year wasn't my first year. And I, the first thing I'm going to say is this. Okay, I would not be holding up this year as some, like, great success considering you're 6-11 and 11, uh, with two losses to, to a couple of horrible the Arkansas State and DePaul teams, um, as well as losing another um, – to losing to another Division II game uh, team, team before the season started, as well as a one in five conference record. So I'm not going to really hold that up and say, look how much better I'm doing this year. So this is my this is my first year. But then on top of that, the simple fact that he said that he really had no control over the roster. You know, this was the roster that he inherited. You know, so he really just didn't have anything to do basically with that first game or with that first year and first season. So he feels like this is just his first year and he's just getting started. That is absolute garbage. It is bull crap and it is baloney. Okay. I mean, Rick Bosage didn't think so. Rick Bosage agreed with him, shockingly. I love <laughs> Rick. Like, me and Rick, you know, every time I see him, it's like, you know, we, we always have a nice word and he's a cool guy. But, man, uh, you know – Dr. Bo is, is going to die on this hill with, with, with KPA. I, I, I don't get it. So, <laughs> so like, 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 here's the thing about, about the whole year one comment. One, Kenny Payne should probably just stop doing post-game press conferences altogether because he does say, he just says the most ridiculous stuff. But you know what? I, I don't even think, like, this is his most egregious comment. No. No. To me, like this is just him trying to say something to, you know, to to keep his job. Like, well, technically this is year one. I got a bunch of great freshmen. I told you guys I could recruit. Here they are. Look at them; they're playing well. You know, I got some of the top freshmen in the country. As as you alluded to earlier, these guys are playing very well. And a couple of these guys can just be beast if you know, give them some more time. And you know, I, I get that part. The year one part, I get it. Yeah, I, I may would have gone in a different direction, saying, "Well, you know, Hubert Davis, he was the heir apparent of for UNC. He was already on the staff, you know, already. So it was an easy transition for him. Blah 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 blah. Yucky schmackety blah blah blah. Gone that direction. 
We chose to say year one, so, you know, whatever. But even if this was year one, okay, let's let let's just assume this is UVL's basketball team was just horrible, just horribly broken, and this is really year one because you had to put everything together and all that good stuff. Still sitting at, what, six, seven wins? It's still completely unacceptable for a top six program of all time. It's completely unacceptable, especially when you were spoon-fed wins. The first 10, 12 games should have been easy wins, maybe except for Texas and Indiana. Everything else should have been easy win, an easy layup, and and that was completely fumbled. Well, Haven, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, it's so funny that Kenny Payne, even if, let's just say last year never happened, okay? Let's say 4-28 and 28 never happened, okay? And this is, let, let's rewind and say that this year is Kenny's first year with the, the, all the guys that he has now. So let's just say he, all these kids that are freshmen would have been freshmen last year. Let's say Sky Clark uh, comes here, blase, blase, okay? And let's just say this is the first team, or the first year of Kenny Payne. People would be, just as upset the fact that Louisville lost to a Division II team early. They lost to Arkansas State. They almost lost to UMBC. They did lose to DePaul. You know, they're 1-5 in the conference. People would be just as shocked and just as upset still having the same conversations of should we fire Kenny Payne in year one this year, even if it was his first year. Facts. Like, just because we understand how absolutely horrible – Two and uh, four and twenty-eight was. You're right now trending and looking like you're going to win like seven, eight, or nine games. That's still a fireable offense in your first year, even if this was your first year. So I don't know if Kenny understands that what he said was not a flex. It's like, bro, this is still horrible. Even if this was your first year, people would still want your ass out the door fired. Like, that's the funniest thing about it. It's like, well, you know, I just feel like this is my first year. So, you know, I, I like, bro, this is still not good enough at Louisville. It's just still a horrible first year. Yeah. It's just still a, a bad first year. Your record indicates that, no. Bad I mean, doesn't cut it. Historically bad. No, last year was historically bad. This, this year is, just, is still historically bad. This year is it's just god-awful bad. Last year was like, oh, my God, what the – what in the world is this? I'm, uh. If last year had never happened, Haven, he would still be breaking all the same records of this is the first time since 1960-something or 1940-something that Louisville's had this bad record. So it's still a historically bad year. It's just not as historically bad as last year. But it's still a historically bad year for Louisville basketball. Facts. <laughs> Like, like, so it's just, just that whole point to just say, I really feel like this is my first year. You're not really helping your argument because this is still a historically bad Louisville team. One of the worst. Like, and just the whole thing of, oh, well, you know, I really just didn't have any players and I had to just inherit this roster. You had the opportunity. First of all, we talked about it at nauseum. You got hired on March the, what was it, 17th, 16th? Uh, you got hired on March 16th. You did not get in town to start working on putting your coaching staff together and start figuring out what you were going to do with your players until darn near April 1st. You stayed in New York for the first two, two and a half weeks of your um, hiring at Louisville. You came, and the first thing you said is that you felt like you thought Jalen Withers 
could be a lockdown perimeter defender and be a great ball handler for Louisville in your first year. And, Haven, we talked about the time. You coming out of your mouth and saying that tells me you didn't watch a snitch of film on Jalen Withers. You had no idea of his skill set, and you were just going out there and just talking. Okay, so we've already um, identified the fact that you did not evaluate your roster. All you did was look at, you know, height and weight and length and then just make up in your mind who you thought players were going to be. You didn't have to keep a single player on this team. We saw what Jerome Tang did with his um, team at Kansas State. He flipped his whole roster. Okay? We saw what, you know, uh, Matt McMahon did going down to LSU when he flipped his whole roster to LSU coming in last year in, in year one. And actually, I believe the LSU comparison is a much, much better comparison to to our situation here. Well, both teams were terrible. Kansas State won 13 games. Louisville won 12 games. LSU won won 12 games or 13 games is all. All those teams were in the same area in terms of losing. Like, all those teams were losing games. Everybody was losing games. St. John's was terrible, and Rick Pitino flipped the whole roster this year, okay, after winning 10, 11, 12 games. Okay, but the point, the the fact that Kenny Payne just wants to come out of his mouth and say he had no option and he he was just given this roster, a roster that was broken. First of all, let me just tell you something. This damn roster, these kids were not broken. This Louisville team was not dealing with a sex scandal. They weren't dealing with a scandal where a player killed another player. They weren't dealing with a a abusive coach situation. Okay, you're not broken because you lost basketball games. You lost basketball games because you sucked. And because the coaching wasn't great and you just happened to lose, you know, you you happen to only win 12 or 13 games. That doesn't make you broken. So I'm tired of him acting like he's taking over some team that just had all this emotional scarring from just some traumatic event. Haven Harrington, can you please tell me what traumatic happened under Chris Max last season? He quit. Just like I mean, but the thing is, like he quit just like. Bobby but it was just quit. a normal season. Yes, it, it was wasn't. a normal season. But he quit just like Bobby quit, and 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 you saw when Satterfield got here. What players got abused? He had talent on the team. Yes, you changed the head man now. Satterfield comes in here, he gets nine wins immediately with Bobby's players because they weren't broken. They just weren't being coached. Exactly, and they quit. The same thing with the with, with Max guys with Pegues. You know, they had Pegues McMains, two guys never been head coaches before. One guy McMains just an analytical dude who just. Watch a ton of basketball and is good at math and figures and whatnot and thinks he's, a, you know, some type of offensive basketball genius or whatever. But anyway, you know, they come here, they do okay job, but they get, you know, 13 wins. Off I'm, a team that largely was just like, yeah, you know, we're kind of done. We're, we're going to mail it in because our coach mailed it in. But his whole, uh, you know, I need to fix what's been broken and these guys have been broken. That is absolute bull crap. It's always been bullcrap. And just continuing to hear him say that over and over and over again about how broken they were and how he had to fix what's been broken. And this is a program. I mean, he acts like Louisville's been on the death penalty for 20 years. You and, have, you and, have no idea what I had to do. This like thing. he's Joe Clark coming in <laughs> on lean on me. You know what I mean? But, no, to me it was worse than that. He's like, you have no idea how bad this is. Why doesn't anybody ever ask me that? So, Kenny, why don't you tell us about that? I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> literally, literally, the next thing he said was, "I'm not, I'm not gonna talk about that." Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. But the funny thing is, yeah, exactly. But he says no one ever asked me. But then when he when they ask him, then he doesn't want to say anything. In a press conference, I was, in the very next press conference, I was like one of the very first questions. Yeah. So tell us about what you had to clean up. I'm not gonna talk about that. <laughs> it's just it's. 
Oh, it just. I mean, you know what? At, at this point, it is what it is. I mean, you still have like, like to be like, you still have a ton of people out there who still want, you know, Coach Payne to get his his third year because the guys are playing better. You can see improvement. Just wait and see what happens now. Once these guys have a whole year underneath Kenny, and they come back, and then maybe you, you hit their portal and you add some experienced guys to the roster, just the sky's the limit. And that's what you know. I we, mean, it's trickle down economics. Yeah, and that's what things <laughs> that's what things we hear a lot. But I will say this, and this is what I'm going to say. You know, a couple of things, especially for people like to attack us all the time for our opinions about Kenny Payne. One, you can like Kenny Payne. And you can also think he's not a very good coach all at the same time. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. True. Right? Uh, number two, if you really are and you truly believe you a, are a blue blood basketball program, that you are indeed one of the top ten basketball programs of all time, if this is what you truly believe, is four wins in somebody's first season acceptable? Is maybe a 10-win second season acceptable? And I, it's like, would UK ever keep their coach if they only won four games? Regardless of whatever scandal maybe may have happened. Like, they could have, like, their coach run around butt naked on campus drunk, <laughs> messing with co-eds, doing coke, and everything else, and their whole team gets scuttled. UK still expects to win more than four games that next season. UCLA, or not UCLA, like Kansas would expect to win more than four games that next season. North Carolina Duke would expect to win more than four games that next season. And if you fought up your four-win season with maybe a 10-win season, you think there's even a chance you would ever be at Duke, UK, or Kansas? Or North Carolina the next year? No. No, not at all. No, you, you – you would not make out the first if you had such a historically bad year, like KP's first year. We won four games. None of those programs would have kept you around past that second year. None of them. Heck, UK, I don't think we keep you on that, that, that first year, the whole first year. Well, I told you, the conversation that I had with that Kentucky fan at, uh, at Moore Shenanigans, uh, shout out to those folks over on uh, Breckenridge and Barstown Road, We'll be out there next Friday for our, our live show, 730 to 930, by the way. Uh, but when I talked to the U.K. fan at, at more shenanigans and asked him, you know, if Kenny Payne only won four games at U.K., are you all letting him come back for next season, uh, for another season? And the only thing that the U.K. fan could say to me was, oh, well, he would win more than four games at U.K. I said, no, that's not answering my question. I said, if Kenny Payne only won four games, would he still be the Kentucky coach? No. <laughs> no, there's no chance. If he missed a tournament more than two years in a row, he may not be coming back. Yeah, not at all. Like it's just it's 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 laughable. It's ridiculous. Um, I mean, everybody understands that. Like you know, we, we all understand that that's not happening, and and that it anybody who still continues to make up for it. Um, it's stupid. But just the fact that Kenny Payne says that it's his first year and, and that's why it doesn't matter. Like, Kenny, let, let, let me just advise you, brother. If this was your year one and 4-28 and never happened, people would still want you fired and expect that you should be fired and that you need to be fired. Jeff Goodman would still be getting on you. Rashawn Myers would still be getting on you. 
Mike Rutherford and, and, and Nick Coffey and all the other people that actually like know basketball would still be getting on you. It wasn't good enough. It's not good enough. Hey, we're going to go ahead. This is the top of the first hour. When we come back, we have much, much more. Haven Harrison, we're going to talk a little Jeff Brown when we get back. Wake up 502. Welcome back in. Welcome back in. Hour number two. It is going down. This is Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, taking care of you this morning. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXBW. We are the Big X. And it was a very spirited first uh, half of the show this morning. And uh, we're going to be getting right to your text. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. 502-384-1450. That is the Wake Up 502 buzz line if you want to talk to us as well. And Haven Harrington, we got some good texts coming in. We got my man Red Zeppelin. Haven't talked to Red in a little bit. See what Red got to say. All right, got got Red coming up on here. I was looking at, I saw some messages popping up on here, but when I look at the um the station uh messages, ain't nothing coming up. I'm like, hold on, what is happening? What is going on? So I don't I don't know what was happening with it, but we got some some stuff coming up here now. I'm we're good to go. Uh, Red says, Rashawn. I was getting ready to text about the starting lineup because I, too, don't understand it. A game can be lost in the first four minutes of the game, just like the last four minutes of the game. says, I feel like uh, NC State uh, was a winnable game, but the starting lineup decreased the chances of winning. Uh, thank you, Red Zeppelin, for that one. And, no, I totally agree with you. Like, it doesn't make any sense to go out there if you don't think that the guy who's starting is good enough to play more than 20 minutes plus why is he starting like it just doesn't make any sense it never it didn't make any sense that Kenny Payne started Dennis Evans you know just to to bench him after a minute and a half or two minutes and not play him it doesn't make any sense for him to start Hersey or Danilo if they're not going to play and if you don't think they're good enough to help your team then why are they starting like it just doesn't make any sense Haven what do you think about that like do you like the fact that I mean because Hersey Miller wasn't playing at all outside of maybe the last minute of the game and you know in mop-up duty but he wasn't playing at all and now he started like the last three or four games like do you like that like giving that as some sort of like reward I guess for working hard in practice that's what I can think of right it's like some reward to just guys working hard in practice or maybe it's just to make guys happy so they don't they won't enter the portal after this year maybe trying to make master P happy <laughs> Right. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know because it doesn't make any sense because he's nowhere near like anywhere near your top player, and he's not playing I mean, a lot. I mean, he's not like one of your top seven dudes. And, but I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of his head scratchers, like not knowing how to attack a two-three zone. It's, it's just a head scratcher. It's just it's weird. It's 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 really weird. It's really odd. Like, okay, fine. You wanted to give him a token start three games ago, you know, just to say, you know what, you've been working hard in practice, Hersey. You know, so I just want to at least give this to say I acknowledge and I understand how hard you're playing. So keep your head up and we're gonna make sure to get you in there. If you want to do that once, fine. You know? 
you want to give him the token start just to kind of give him a little hit pat on the head. And I don't know if it's because Hershey started in the game in which they beat Miami because that was the first game that he started was against Miami. And because they beat Miami, like, you don't you want to keep the same good mojo, I guess. Like, But it wasn't because Hersey Miller started is why you beat Miami. You know what I mean? Like, Hersey did little, very little in that game to impact the game. So I just – I, I I don't I don't know. I, it's just very odd, but you know, this, once again, Kenny, this he's the captain of this ship, Haven Harrington. So he's just gonna do what he wants to do. Uh, but uh, Texter says, "Good morning, wake up five oh two main event, uh, KP's first year mafia." He says, "Did you read the Jeff Goodman article of KP being the worst hire in college basketball history?" Uh, yeah, he said of the last twenty years or since the since two thousand that he ranked the worst coaching hires of all time for the last 24 years, I guess. And KP came in, uh, uh, he, he came in, he came in at first and number one, just talking about, you know, how Louisville, the, the, the level of program that Louisville is and the fact that Kenny, Kenny Payne has just been so historically bad and Haven Harrington. I mean, I, I get asked your opinion of it, but I can't disagree with him. I, I think he's right. Uh, yeah, he's hundred percent right. I mean, it, he he had like the worst record ever of any Power Six school, like ever in the history of Power Six basketball. Last year was like the worst ever, the most twenty point losses, the most thirty point losses, the most double digit losses. I mean, this year we're the only Power Six school without a signee for the twenty twenty four class. The only. Power six program that does not have a signee for 2024. Like everybody, Vanderbilt has commitments. California has commitments. Northwestern has commitments. Louisville does not have a single commitment. Not a one. <laughs> like this. Not a one. So which, you know, once again, kind of just, and the only and I and I won't say that no they don't have a signee they do have one commitment but the only guy they have committed uh, is is literally a dude that is ranked uh, like barely inside the top two hundred so like I don't even know if that's even worth mentioning but I tell you what Haven Harrington we're gonna go right to the uh, to the wake up five zero two buzz line five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty is the is the buzz line I got the caller on the line caller you with me. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Jay Hass. How you doing, brother? Doing fine. I know what the North Pole feels like. I'm telling you. It's cold out there, brother. All we need now is Santa Claus. (laughs) Well, we a little he'd be a little late at this point. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) How you doing this morning? I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm warm. I'm doing good. Um I'm I'm enjoying what what's been going on so far between you and Haven and it's just so much sports going on around the country, man, from football to basketball to NBA. It's just so much going on, isn't it, man? Oh, absolutely. No, there's it's a lot going on. Uh, you got Louisville. that They play uh, on the road at Wake Forest here uh, coming up at noon on uh, ESPNU. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, you got Lamar Jackson about to take the field yeah. here at 430 uh, this afternoon, <laughs> uh, taking on to Texas. So, yeah, we got a whole lot going on. You pretty happy about that, uh Lamar Jackson, aren't you? Man? I have been waiting for this game <laughs> since <laughs> since they announced that that they re-signed Lamar, and they actually went out there and gave him some weapons 
you know, they drafted Zay Flowers. They signed Odell Beckham. Um, you know, they yeah. finally kind of put support around Lamar. I have been waiting for this playoff run. Like, it's literally mm. been all I've been thinking about. So, yes, I, I have been waiting for it. And, you know, I love C.J. Stroud. And he's a nice little story down there uh, in Houston. But, uh, yeah, you got to lay it on down today, brother. Wow, Rashawn, that says a whole lot, man. Hey, hey that's real. But, uh, hey, Haven, how you doing, sir? Doing well, kind sir. How about yourself? Doing well, man. It's too below, but I'm doing well. I'm, I'm healthy <laughs> and alive. I'm doing well, man. There it is. Hey, Jay, now, now let me ask you, Jay, because, you know, you heard you heard the comments from Kenny Payne saying that you thought he he think, he feels like this is his first year. So do you feel oh, like no. this is Kenny Payne's first year? No, it's not his first year. He's, he's, he's telling a lie, Rashawn and Hazen. It's not his first year. And I feel I don't feel bad about it. Just that he try to he doesn't take um, responsibility for his own action as a man. And he's not standing up for like a Bettino and a Denny Crumb set up for their team, you know, and you know, I mean, it is, I mean, some things in life are just not for you. And, and you see the resemblance of all that right now that's taking place at the University of Louisville men's basketball program. When do you ever see the Louisville basketball program on the CW? How did that go from CW playing on national televised? <laughs> yeah. That's what cartoons and um, uh, Laverne and Shirley come on, don't it? <laughs> Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Woody Woodpecker. Robert Sean Haven, I got a I got a, a great surprise for you guys. Yes, sir. I got Miss Erin James on the phone. You guys don't know the name, but you already know her real quick. She is one of the big guys, big big the big shots at uh Club Twenty One. What? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. She she's a big sports U of L fan. Good morning, Miss James. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, you got Haven and Rashawn on the phone, and uh, she's a big global fan, and uh, she's one of the big guns at uh, Club 21. Awesome. How are you doing this morning? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. Trying to stay warm and then talking a whole lot of sports. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. Now, that's one of Rashawn's favorite spots right there. He, he loves that spot, and he can tell you basically everything about that spot. Oh, oh yeah. that's awesome. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Love, love 21st in Germantown. It's one of my favorite places. Um, you know, I, I get out there. I was a karaoke in, uh, down there uh, last Saturday night. Larry Oki, I was in there, uh, you know, so singing my little heart out to about 2 o'clock in the morning. So, no, it's absolutely uh, one of my most f- favorite of places in the city. That is awesome. Miss <laughs> James, tell them who you are. Ms. James, tell them real quick who you are and what you specialize in and what do you do? Yeah, so I work with, I do marketing, PR, and events. Um, And with 21st in Germantown, I especially work with the Barrel Room, which is our large event space in the venue that has the stage. Um, A lot of times there's live shows back there, music, entertainment. Um, And we also use that room to book private parties and all sorts of celebrations as well. Yeah, good drinks, good food, Rashawn. Oh, absolutely. No, no, the, the food the is food. outstanding. Uh, my buddy Zoe works back there in the kitchen. She's always uh, mixing it up. She's always got good stuff going on. And she can sing, too. Me and Zoe have gotten on a, a couple <laughs> of duets. So, no, it, it's, it's awesome food. It's a great atmosphere. Always 
um, just a, a wonderful staff. Everybody there, um, you know, from, from, from Katie and, and all the rest. I mean, everybody's awesome down there at 21st. So, yeah, those, those are definitely my people. So, you know, Bell Room is absolutely an amazing venue. My dad actually um, brought his band down there uh, to do some reggae music uh, back uh, when it was still warm out. It was <laughs> it definitely didn't feel like it feels now. It was back in August. But uh, he did a wonderful job. So, no, it, it's absolutely an amazing venue um, and, and just a, an amazing experience overall wow that's awesome thank you absolutely Rashad she's a big Louisville fan you're gonna ask one question about Louisville (laughs) (laughs) well you know I I, want to end this on on a good note so I'm not gonna ask her about uh, Louisville basketball I'm gonna just say uh, are are you do you like the job that Jeff Brom is doing with the football program are you excited about uh, his first year with the cards how about that yeah, I, I would say it's been nice to see a lot of improvement there. Um, nice to see Brom back. Um, I think that brought a lot of excitement and um, good news to the program. I enjoyed watching them this year and um, more to come. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. See, so yes, you you, you are you are an ace in my book. I like it. Me and you on the same page. Oh, okay. Jeff Brom is back. So yeah, you're, you're on my good side. We, we, we can uh, we can deal with that. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Rashad, I got uh, Lamar today by 21. Okay, Lamar. Okay, the the Ravens in a blowout. I like it. I like it. Well, we'll we'll see. Yeah. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But we got 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 this basketball game first. So hopefully, Kenny don't make uh, me too mad yeah. before the football game. <laughs> well, Rashad and Haven, it's always a pleasure. Stay warm, guys. We appreciate all your hard work and dedication you do in the sports arena. Absolutely. And uh, that's the reason why 96.1 is the best sports show around the country. There it is. I definitely appreciate you guys this morning. Thank you so much for calling in. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. There we go. There we go. So, uh, Jay has uh, coming in, as always, the good folks down there at 21st in Germantown. He's got he's got a birthday badge coming up. I believe it's going to be there. He's going to be giving announcements about that soon. Uh-oh. Uh, the Jay has birthday bash every year in February. Y'all know it goes down. So uh, that's going to be happening and upcoming. So, uh, you know, I think 21st is going to be collaboing and partnering with that. So uh, just make sure you stay tuned. It was absolutely packed last year. Last year we were out at Jocks over on Breckenridge Lane. Um, it was an amazing event. Um, you know, the, the, the bar didn't listen to us when we told them they needed to have extra staff because when Jay has birthday bash comes, it's going to be – ridiculous and it was absolutely ridiculous i believe they were like three deep at the bar <laughs> waiting for food and drinks and everything else and they were just looking so shocked it's like we told y'all man the jay has birthday bash goes hard so anytime wherever jay has is going to be for his birthday bash just make sure that you know you have at least three bartenders on stock and at least three or four people in the kitchen because people like to eat people like to drink people like to have a good time so uh definitely i had a good time with that uh, very, very excited, uh, you know, for, for everything that the good folks over at 21st and Germantown have done for us, continue to do for us. And I'll probably be down there tonight. I'll probably be doing a little singing, a little karaoke. So, oh, you know what? I may have to join you there after we, the fights. There we go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, we, and then, then we could talk about the, the day that was in sports. And, and I, and, you know, you can tell me who got knocked out. Because <laughs> that's the one thing about local boxing events here in the city. Uh, and MMA as well, is that you always going to see a couple of fights where just some dudes just get knocked uh, just silly. where They, they, they just come up ordering, uh, you know, for, for like they had the Wendy's menu. 
like every time. But uh, somebody's going to sleep. Oh, I'm telling you, like, like that. There, there was one time, and I know Hay remembers that one guy got hit so hard that he got he got knocked out, but he he fell funny and couldn't fall down. So he was literally just stuck <laughs> against the ropes, just out cold. It was it was. Man, you whew. know, you know, I almost thought you was going to talk about the time that Melee, the uh, Croatian sensation, almost got knocked over the top rope. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that as well. We had to hold him up in the ring. I remember that as well. I remember the guy, the, there was one fighter who was in there, two big heavyweights fighting. That They in there going going back and forth, pound for pound, and all of a sudden his mom freaks out because she's watching her son fight, and she's getting upset because the other dude is hitting on him, and she tries to get in the cage. She tried to get in the, in the cage while they were fighting. <laughs> like... <laughs> I th- th- let me tell you something. Anytime you get an opportunity to go to local events, you, got, uh, you gotta go. You gotta go because there's always something wild that happens. So <laughs> I definitely advocate going out there to the today's events. Going to be going down at the Ali Center, uh, six p.m. fight start. So uh, make sure you get out there, uh, support local. Um, there's gonna, I'm sure there's gonna be a, a heavy local card. Um, out there today so definitely check them out and including my man uh, Tim Mayhem Moten uh, he's always uh, brings a a great crowd um, and you know it's a a fan favorite I will definitely say that Uh, but hey let's get right back to the text line 502-414-1450 texter says um, KP made comment about this being his technically his first year Um, he said Negro please (laughs) (laughs) yeah Nobody's buying that. Nobody, and like I said, even if it was your first year, this is still a first year fireball fence. Like KP's looking at it like I'm doing better than last year, so this is my first year. It's like, dude, this would still get you fired. Like at, at most places, this would. It's not. It's not a flex. Like being six and eleven in year two on January twentieth is not the flex that you think it is. Like when you're that bad to where you think this is good or this is something that you want to prop up. Like you should just not say anything. Like just, just don't, just don't say anything. Uh, Texas says, "I think KP is in his own head, uh, and that he's uh, going to be here for the next four years." Um, he says, uh, J- "Josh Hurd hasn't said anything about KP and his job." Um, he said, "Hurd already told KP that he's going to be here for a while, and that that year didn't count." But the funny thing is, uh, why hasn't the media asked KP what recruits are coming in? I mean, I will say this, and, and and Haven, you can give your opinion if you think it's true. It does seem like Kenny has been extremely comfy and just confident and comfortable. Like it doesn't seem like he's felt like it doesn't feel like he has any pressure on him at all. Like he seems like he's completely detached from what everybody else is seeing and thinking, and and you know the frustration he does. Like, do you feel like the the, the like heard and the administration have just given him that sense of security that he just really feels like he's just going about his business? I mean, it's almost like he has no pressure at all to win. Like, he could take as long as it's going to be necessary for him to win, make a tournament run or win big, whatever he's trying to do, right? It seems like he has just all day. Like, he has years to do it. Like, yeah, you know what? In about four years, I think we could be, I think we could be a bubble team. <laughs> I mean, because he, he said what, just a couple weeks ago that, yeah, you know what? I really wasn't playing with the transfer portal for real, but I think I may have to go in there and get some guys with, with some experience. <laughs> it's like, really? You think so? Think I mean, might- it's just, 
you know, and what's so weird. So, like, look at the football team, right? Ten wins first year, go to the ACC championship game, playing a big-time bowl game against USC. You know, they do better than what everybody expected them to do. And yet you still had a number of your stars enter the portal and leave, right? Yeah, some guys come yeah. back. Like Ashton Gelati, uh, you know, came back. Quincy came back. Uh, but a lot of you guys just, just left in, in their transfer portal. They just they just left. You know, teams like Tennessee, a lot of the teams left. Ohio State, almost all their starters left. Even Georgia, their five-star quarterback left. Uh, the, the the two to five star backup quarterbacks, you know, left. Uh, you know, you're going to lose a portion of your team every year. You you can almost expect to lose a third of your team every year. Yeah, every year in a portal. Basketball is is, is the same way, right? The portal this year is going to be full of of top tier talent, guys who decided, you know what, I'm not getting as much time at Duke or North Carolina or Kansas or Baylor or wherever. That I thought I was, I'm jumping in the portal so I can go start someplace else. This is going to happen, and you know, and, and keeping, you know, your your freshmen, your super talented freshmen, is, is going to be even more difficult as they have more and more chances to play other places. So, you know, not having recruits is, is reprehensible. Not being in a portal is just reprehensible, and it's, it honestly, it's, un, it's unexcusable as well, right? It's just completely unexcusable. That it's January, about to be February, and you still don't have not one guy committed. It's crazy. It's it's unexcusable. It's un- I mean, yes, you can go on a portal, you can get like a whole brand new team. We've seen guys do that before. How you want to keep the guys? Who get what guys going to keep? It's just it's 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 just unexcusable. No, I I totally agree with you. It's I I just <laughs> it's. It's wild, but I I tell you what, and the uh, the texter just mentioned it. He said next, uh, he says Louisville football. My goodness, I and he said, am I the only one who's bricked up about our defense? Uh, that that is one guy who definitely has has guys lined up for next year. It's Jeff Bromhaven Harrington. University of Louisville has been an, on an absolute tear, just with commitments, signees. Of course, we talked about the fact that um, Jaleel Skinner, uh, a former five star. Uh, tight end, uh, you know, previously committed to Alabama, flipped his commitment to Miami, had an outstanding uh, freshman season uh, in 2022 before sitting out last year at Miami with an injury. Uh, Skinner did make the decision to transfer 6'5", 210-pound tight end. Um, so Louisville added another uh, talent um, and another weapon uh, for Tyler Shuck uh, and the offense. But then – the big news after that, even though if Jaleel Skinner wasn't big as big enough, a former five-star tight end, Louisville gets the commitment of Tyler Barron, the third Tennessee transfer, um, you know, one of the leading pass rushers in uh, the uh, SEC and the top pass rusher for uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, Tyler Barron makes his commitment, switches and flips his commitment from Ole Miss to Tennessee, or excuse me, to, to University of Louisville the third Tennessee volunteer to join the Cardinals. Um, And then right on top of that, we find out last night that Jermaine Lole has decided he's coming back uh, for his final season in college. So you have the return of uh, Ashton Gelati. 
You have the return of Quincy Riley, which was the huge news last weekend. Now this weekend, you get the announcement of Jermaine Lole as well as the transfer of Tyler Barron. How good is that defense going to be next year? It, it should be monstrous. And seeing this is it's like Brom has really, really embraced the new era of college football, right? Because like we have a pretty decent undergraduate class of guys straight out of high school, right? A decent class. I mean, not earth-shattering, but a decent class, enough to put us like mid-middle of the pack in, in ACC as far as recruiting just guys straight out of high school, right? Yes. But what we've done on a transfer portal is just amazing, right? You saw last year, a lot of these guys that you get from the portal are literally higher guns. They may be here – They'll be here one year. If you're lucky, maybe two years, right? Yes. If you're lucky, two years. But usually these guys are higher guns. You get them for one season, and you, you do what you can. And, and you win at the highest level you can possibly win. That's why you got these guys here. And it worked to perfection last year. It looks like on defense it's going to work again this year. But that's because the, we have a coach that understands what's he, – he understands the landscape of college football, has embraced it, and it's making it happen. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, like, and people don't understand. These are talk. You're talking about kids like uh, Tyler Barron was a four star player coming out of high school. High four star. High high four star player. Uh, he's been. He's considered a four star transfer. One of the best transfers uh, in the market. Uh, you know, we talked about a couple of his teammates, Wesley Walker and Tamarian McDonald. Uh, Wesley Walker was considered the number one safety uh, coming back in the SEC. Tamarian McDonald was considered the better pro prospect of the two. So you're talking about elite, elite players. We talked about Jaleel Skinner and his talent um, and what he's been able to do with three years of eligibility remaining. And then they also got Tavion Nicholson, a cornerback from Illinois, um, a big 5'11", 180-pound athlete. Um, you know, that they're the, 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 the um, Ole Miss people, or excuse me, the uh, – uh, the the Illinois. folks, the Illinois people that talked about uh, Tavian uh, said that you know he he maybe is a little bit handsy and a little bit over aggressive or uber aggressive. I like that. That's kind of what uh, you know Jarvis Brownlee when he came over from uh, Florida State. They said the same thing is that he was a little bit over aggressive, a little bit too physical at the point of attack. But I think that you know they that's what they want, right? Uh, you know Louisville plays ISO with a lot of their their corners, so they they do like to do a little bit of bumping and grinding. So I think Nicholson fits that scheme. He'll have to work on his technique. But the biggest thing is you're getting big-time athletes. And, and, and you're getting guys with experience, right? Yes. Guys who play the highest level, guys who play against the best competition. Yes. So you're getting experience. You're getting high-level elite talent. And like I said, these are higher guns. These are guys you don't expect to stay here the entire – you know, how much – depending on how much eligibility they have left. Like if they have like three years or two years. You don't expect them to stay three or two years. You expect them to stay literally just like one year. Haven Harrington, you have your front four right now of Ashton Gelati, Jermaine Lole, Thor Griffith, Tyler Barron. And then your edge guys being uh possibly TJ Capers, you know, and uh and uh what the and what what's the, the other kid uh, from Miami on the other side? Um oh that that played this year, uh number six. I can't think of his name. Um but it was a, a standout as as a freshman. I mean, that's your front seven right there, along with uh, T.J. Quinn in the middle. I mean, that's unbelievable. Like <laughs> the the amount of talent that you have right now on this team is just absolutely unbelievable. Like like Jeff Brom, when you talk about getting it done, this is a guy who I mean, you know, Kenny Payne talks about the fact that he can't flip a roster and he doesn't have time. 
you know, he hasn't had time to put together a team. Jeff Brom has, what, how many guys? 53 guys on the roster? Yep. Stan Quan Clark. That, that was who I was looking Stan Quan Clark, who had a standout freshman season. You could have Stan, Stan Quan on one side with TJ Capers on the other side, with TJ Quinn in the middle, uh, you know, and then that front four that we were talking about. That, that down seven. And that's not counting the fact that now you have the best cornerback in the ACC back in Quincy Riley, arguably. You know, you brought over Corey Thornton, a standout 6'1", you know, 180-pound cornerback from UCF. And we know how well UCF played last year. Thornton was by far the best DB on that team. Um, I mean, so many players. You have the, the, the two safeties from Tennessee coming over. You still have Ben Perry. Just an absolute embarrassment of riches. Um, at, at Jeff Brom's ex- uh, disposal right now, man, it's it's unbelievable. And it, it, it's just crazy now. The and to me, the but Kenny Payne can't be, replace eight nine guys on a on a basketball team. No, <laughs> but you know, but you know what? This is the difference between an experienced head coach who came in with a plan and knew what he wanted to do, and knew how to do it, and what resources he had available to him. That's the difference in coaching. One guy had a plan, knew what to do, how to do it, and executed it and did it. The other one is still trying to figure it out as he goes along. Texter asked uh, if Jeff and Brady Brown being down at the North Carolina game was there to support Kenny Payne or still some North Carolina recruits. I think you could get away with a little bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of both. Probably mostly still North Carolina recruits. A little uh, bit of both. You know? But, uh, but, you, but you know what this says, right? So this – so if you, if you look at what's going on in college football, this really changes the dynamic of guys coming out of high school. Yeah. Because a lot of these schools are no longer going to spend the time to to coach up guys, right? Yeah, it does. Because remember, like, you used to get quarter because, like, a quarterback situation. I know a lot of people say, well, why are you getting all these guys in when you have – you know, Brady Allen's on the bench, who's a high, you know, who's a four-star guy. You know, you, you know, you have um, my mind just went blank just that quick. The other quarterback, that everybody wants to see play, that is going to play two snaps. Uh, oh, you talking about Pierce? Yeah, yeah, Pierce, Pierce Clarkson, Clarkson, high four-star guy. His dad's one of the best quarterback coaches in the country. He hasn't played hardly at all, and yet you keep going. You have these young, this young talent, but why you keep going to the portal to get? you know, new guys to come in and, and, and start. And this is it because you know what you get with these guys, right? Like you know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, when you get uh, a Jake Plummer, uh, Jack Plummer, excuse me. <laughs> uh, so you know what you're going to get when you get a Jack Plummer. You know you know what you get when you, with the with Slaw, the new guy coming in. Like you know what you're going to get because you have film, you've seen them play, you know what they can and cannot do. Yes. So like you know what you're going to get so it's much easier to go get those guys. And plus, if you if you have a guy that comes up and you do a bang-up job in coaching a guy up and making him the next quarterback, his most likely is going to transfer out anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so as, as a football coach, you're like, eh, you know, I could get, like, super elite talent come out of high school, but no, I really get a couple of guys I could coach up, keep them here two or three years, and then surround them with super awesome dudes in the portal. And, as, and when these guys come up and ready, hopefully I can keep – half of them, maybe two-thirds of them, and have a great roster of guys that I've coached over that came through the system uh, coupled with mostly higher guns. And that's what you see a lot of teams are doing. You know, a lot of teams are, are embracing it. 
because uh, you know, look at Clemson. Clemson's taken a nosedive the past couple years. One of the reasons because a lot of good, a lot of great players decide, no, eh, we're transferring out. Yeah, I mean, no, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, coaches like sure things, and you know, unless you're getting the the highest level of elite recruits. Um, I just don't know, and, and this is the way the coach is looking at it, especially in football. They just don't know what the value is in you know bringing in a ton of freshmen that may or may not be good You know when you can go out there and get proven commodities. Or, and, even, or even if they are good, can you keep them? Yeah. That's the hard part. Like You, you spend two to three years coaching guys up in your system, in the, in the weight room, giving them better, bigger, and stronger, and who's to say that they're going to stay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the, yeah, and no, none of the there's no schools that that are you know immune to it. I mean, you look at the, everything that's happened since uh, Nick Saban decided to hang it up. Uh, you know, congratulations. Alabama's whole team bounced. Yeah, their whole team is leaving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like as soon as Ohio State lost, their quarterback was gone. Yeah, deuces. And you're on a team that went to the freaking Big Ten championship game, and you were just like, yeah, I'm out. Then I'm gonna play with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's and you're a starter at, at, at Ohio State. I mean that's that's the that's the tough thing. That is the tough thing about uh, the transfer portal. I mean, uh, being the father of, of a high school athlete that's trying to be recruited. You know, I mean it's the, these these teams and uh, are looking for these proven commodities. So when you have kids that are developmental kids, um, it is really pushed kids down the pecking order for even schools to take the time to really do evaluations on them. It's almost like every coach is looking for somebody else to do the dirty work or the heavy lifting of getting a, a player prepared, and then they can swoop in and just get them once they're a finished product. <laughs> I mean, because you know, one thing that's going to happen is that you're going to see, especially with basketball, right, you're going to see a lot of kids go to D2 schools or quote-unquote mid-major schools, play for a year or two, and then move up. Yeah. And yeah. to try and transfer out, which means that those D two schools or those mid major schools, it's almost being impossible for them to it's, make any type of run. Yeah, it's almost like a minor, minor league system now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's that's what uh, college athletics has become, really. Is, yeah, you know, and, you, you to graduate to the majors and go to like a, a power five <laughs> once you're good enough. And even like if you're like even like if you're a, a, a role player at a power five school. You may want to leave because you become a starter someplace else, and you no longer have to be just a role player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's, it's just a graduation system up until the highest levels, or where you can go get the most uh, NIL money or get that opportunity to play. It's just the, the the calculus for for success in college athletics is so different now. And I think that you know these schools are even trying. They're still trying to figure out what the best way to go about it is. I don't think that they really have a good idea of that yet. I think it's still a work in progress, and because of that, um, everybody's still trying to get a hold and a handle because NIL and the transfer portal really hit at the same time. So With no rules, regulations. Yeah, around a lot of it. You know what I mean? So with having to deal with two very big-time major changes at the same time, it's really kind of slowed down the progress for everybody to kind of get it figured out. And I think it's going to take a couple years. So, you know. It is what it is. Um, I tell you what, Haven Harrington, we're going to go ahead. We're going to hit our next break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to get into these uh, predictions. Uh, we need predictions for these uh, these uh, playoff games and see if Haven thinks that Louisville can get it done on the road at Wake Forest today. Maybe. Possibly. Could be. 
I don't know. You are listening to Wake Up 502. This is Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. We are the Big X, and we'll be back. In last segment of the show, Wake Up 502, Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington hanging out with you this morning on a breezy, cool, frigid January Saturday. It's going down 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. Uh, big thanks to everybody who's gotten involved so far, either via text or the Wake Up 502 buzz line. Uh, we're going to keep it on rolling. Haven Harrington, divisional weekend is going down. We got four humongous games. Uh, of course, getting started with our man, the myth, the legend. Oh, and, but before I get into that, before I even get into it, Haven Harrington, how about them Cowboys? Hey, my, you know what? My boys <laughs> never disappoint. <laughs> they never disappoint. I Never disappoint. Just, <laughs> that's why I'm a Cowboys fan, but as you know, Rashawn, I do not get excited yes. about the Cowboys. Yes. You know, I'm that guy's like, until they do something in the playoffs, whatever. Oh. And once again, the Cowboys have proved at one point throughout the season, they've had both the number one offense and the number one defense throughout the season. And then they come and they just don't show up. I mean, I they knew that. They got boat rates. I knew that Green Bay was going to have a chance because, uh, you know, Love has been playing so Jordan Love's been playing so well. And those wide receivers are the real deal. Like they have like five really good wide receivers. You know what? Even with that being the case, but they still got boat races. No, they got no, boat that's, that's the thing. Like I said, I thought that Green Bay would have a chance, but for Dallas to just come out there and just get pounded, pounded at, at home, like they forgot. they had not lost a home game all year, undefeated at home, <laughs> get to the playoffs and forget how to play football. <laughs> that Prescott like completely lost, like he's never seen a playbook a day in his life. Throws two pick sixes to to uh, Jair Alexander. By the way, just unbelievable. They they look horrible. They did. Like I felt. I I hate the Cowboys, and I felt sorry for them. They look. I mean, the Cowboys <laughs> fans and stands were just like, yo, just blow the whole team up <laughs> and just start over. And speaking of which, Jerry Jones then announces that Mike McCarthy will be back for next year. Both he and and Dak Prescott playing on a lame duck contract the last year for both coach and quarterback. The, the, this feels like Jerry Jones knows he's going to be stuck with Dak for another year because they signed him to that ridiculous contract to begin with. Um, so it feels to me like Jerry Jones is just saying, you know what, we got to do this one more time anyway. And McCarthy has led Dallas to three straight 12-win seasons. Let's, so let's just see if they can throw crap at the wall and see what sticks. But it feels like he's going to either – either McCarthy's going to win with Dak or they're going to get a new coach and a new quarterback next, following next year. Is that, does, that, does that seem to be about where, you know, like am I looking at that the wrong way? No, you're not. Uh, but, you know, like, so like, like, like here's the thing, right? It's just like. $54 million cap hit if they try to get rid of Dak, by the way. It's just, just crazy. And, and you look at Dak, and Dak reminds me of, like, Peyton Manning. Great regular season quarterback. 
gets to the playoffs and he's okay. I mean, I wouldn't he's, say pay. I think why. I don't know. Charlie Batch. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I'm, I'm going to say Peyton because Peyton Manning as a playoff quarterback is nowhere near as good as his brother Eli. That's like, fair. Like, like, That's like, fair. Like, like Eli was I know what you horrible. mean. He's not as good a player as Peyton Manning, but that same type of yes, it's, it's quarterback. The same yeah, the same type of, yeah, once you get. Say a Tony Romo. <laughs> yes. It's like once you get to the playoffs, you just kind of just like wilter. And, yes, I know Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls, but if you look at his stats in both those Super Bowls, he was subpar. Yeah, he was. In both those two bowls, it was like when he played with uh, Denver, it was the defense and the running game that won the not Super Bowl. It I mean, wasn't Peyton Manning that knew the all. I mean, the, Col- the Colts' defense won them the Super Bowl the year that they, they won it when he was with the Colts, I, yes. honestly. Yeah, it was the defense. It was, he, he was just there. He was, like, he was like Trent Dilfer with the Ravens, along for the ride. Yeah. But, but I, was, I will say this, in the regular season, he's a beast. Like Eli Manning is horrible in the regular season. But once you got Eli Manning to the playoffs, he was a beast. The hard part was to get him to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's completely fair. Um I, I I totally agree with you. I mean, but the Cowboys, man, I mean, just with all the talent that they have, you know, I, I know that lo- losing Trayvon Diggs to start the year was was a tough hit and, and they've had some injuries here and there. But at home, you know, you're you undefe- gotta you're undefeated. I might not only were you undefeated at home, you were boat racing. At teams least at make home. it competitive, man. Like <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It's like why are you guys even here? Matter of fact, of all the playoff games, only one was really competitive. Yeah. On, on the Lions and the, and the Rams, the only competitive game. The rest of them were kind of were blowouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the Bills and the Steelers. The Steelers were lucky just to be there. Yeah, I don't know how Tomlin got that team to the playoffs. Nobody knows how Tomlin got that. Nobody knows how they got to the playoffs. <laughs> Tomlin, I don't think, even knows how he got the team to the playoffs. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky quarterback for most of the season. Yeah. And he's god-awful. And they still manage to get to the playoffs. He may be the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, fair. I know people say Bill Belichick's the greatest coach, but I got to see Bill. You know, here's the thing now. I have to see Bill Belichick win some games. 17 years and Tomlin's never had a losing season. That's crazy. That's almost impossible. That's crazy. In a in a league, in the NFL does everything they can to try to keep everything as balanced as possible to where no single team can just dominate for a long time. Like the whole league is set up to where you always are going to have ups, ups and, and downs. downs. Yeah. And the Steelers have never had a losing record under Tomlin. No matter how bad. This year they were horrible. It's a terrible team. And, and he still found a way to win. I just don't understand it. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. It, it's just. That's Tomlin. I he's, mean, he's the man. He's oh, man. Omar Epps is, 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 is doing it. <laughs> it's doing it in Pittsburgh. It's crazy. It is crazy. Like, cause there were some Steelers fans talking about, you know, should they fire Tomlin? I'm like, dude, you are, are you crazy? out of your mind. And replace him with who? Right. With who? Like, what, what other coach? Is going to be as successful with nothing, right? I mean, like, look at this quarterback room, like, yeesh, Kenny Pickett, and then the the pips, is it like, and Kenny <laughs> Kenny Pickens is a pip. I mean, just ugh, and still managed to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still un- beat the brand. I mean, and that's the toughest thing about it for for the only bad thing about it is the Steelers have been so consistently good that they can never get a good quarterback in the draft. You know what I mean? Like they they can they have to just get out there. I mean, Pickett was the first quarterback taken at the end of the the first round. You know, where he was twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty fifth, wherever he was. But I mean, 
there was a terrible quarterback draft. So that's why Kenny Pickett ends up being your first quarterback taken. So like the that's the tough thing for the Steelers is like they can't find a way to get a good quarterback. Like they just it's a weird so it's a weird situation. But I digress. Let's get into these games, Haven Harrington. We only got about eight minutes left in the show, so we'll fly through these. Ravens at home taking on the Texans. CJ Stroud and company had a big time impressive uh, victory in in the first uh, the first game uh, of the uh, the playoffs in the uh, super regional round. Um, what are you thinking about the Texans' chances? A lot of people are trying to you know get on this CJ Stroud bandwagon now. You know everybody loves whatever team that that Lamar is facing the playoffs because Lamar hasn't been able to win in the playoffs. We've heard it before. Uh, what do you think? And the Ravens are a humongous favorite, nine and a well, half actually, points. Actually, he did beat the Texans in his first playoff win. Yes, absolutely. And they beat the Texans earlier this year, by the way. Yes. But what are you thinking? Like, like, is this gonna be? Is there gonna be any drama? Uh, Ravens gonna get it done. I think there's. I think there will be some drama. Okay. Because uh, you know, C. I mean, C. J. Is, is playing out of his mind. You know, man's like the man's like love. I mean, these these two guys came in just dealing. Yeah, they they whooped the Browns. Yeah, and these guys came in just dealing. I'm but, so I'm so glad they beat the Browns. By but the, way. the Ravens at home, the Ravens at home have been a different team. One, the Ravens at home have been a different team. But two, when the Ravens play this this year, this year, when the Ravens have played the top ten, the top team. They've come to play. Every time it's the, where's the 49ers, whoever, when they play a top-tier team, they come to play, and they usually just beat the brakes off of them. Yes. This is a playoff game. I expect Lamar to be a little tight because I, I think Lamar is not only – he's not only playing to win, to go to the Super Bowl, right? But I think he's playing to, to shut all his naysayers up, to shut all those guys up on television – and all the little reporters, the writers, everything else who says that he's not quarterbacky enough, that he's, <laughs> you know, that no matter how many MVPs he wins, he's still not going to be good enough. And he's still never going to be seen as a real quarterback. He's still just an athlete. I, I think he has, like, a Mount Rushmore or Mount Everest chip on his shoulder. So I think that may cause him to be a little tight. Because at Louisville, you saw it at big games, he always start off kind of tight. And then around the second half, he kind of loosened up. I kind of expect him to kind of do that again this time. Uh, the difference is this is the first time we've seen Lamar with weapons all over the place. So it's going to be interesting. I think I think the game's going to be close to what people think. But I still think that the, the Ravens just have way too much talent. I, I think they get it done. Yeah, get, you know what? Give me give me the Ravens. I, I think they're going to get it done. Lamar's going to come out there on a mission. I think the Dalvin Cook signing was humongous like I know a lot of people say Cook hasn't played any hasn't done anything this year Dalvin Cook was running behind literally the worst offensive line in football and once Aaron Rodgers went out guess what every team did they put nine people in the box because they knew that none of those terrible quarterbacks could beat them with their arm so there was going to be no success for for the you know for for the uh the running backs uh, for the Jets. So, you know, give me the Ravens. They're going to be big. I think that Dalvin Cook is going to announce himself in this first game. Uh, so, yeah, g- give me the Ravens on that one. Uh, let's go out to San Fran. Second game of the night, the Packers, Jordan Love, big-time upstart. They had the big win over the Cowboys. The Niners have been hot and cold. 
Um, you know, they were on they played decently uh, coming into the playoffs. Um, Niners are a 10 point favorite in this game. Uh, what do you think? Can the Packers pull off two upsets in a row? I think they can, but I don't think they will. Okay. Um, but, you know, once again, but it all depends on what 49ers team shows up, right? Like, like which which Brock Purdy decides to, to come and play? Because, like, like you said earlier, right, during this season he's looked like a monster, and then he looks like he forgot how to play football. And I'm just not sure which, which Purdy shows up. If it's – an average Purdy, I'm going to still give it to 49ers. I think they have a better defense. Defense wins championships, uh, and especially the playoffs. Uh, so I'm going to go to 49ers, but once again, I don't think it's going to be as wide of a spread or as easy a game as a lot of people think it's going to be. I think the pack is really going to give them all they can handle. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is going to be a close game um, just because the the you know the simple fact that they have not been playing well lately. Um, you know, that they've been uh, struggling a bit. And with Jordan Love uh, and those wide receivers, man, uh, they just – they impress me a lot. I think the Niners get it done, but I would definitely take Packers in the points uh, if, if, from a betting angle. I do think the 49ers win it um, maybe 27-24, but I think it's going to be a very close game. Okay, Haven, Sunday games, first game of the day. The Detroit Lions finally win a playoff game. Everybody's going crazy. Ticket – lowest ticket price – per ESPN.com right now, $433 to get in the door uh, for this game at Ford Field. Um, that cheap. Lions taking, right. Lions taking on the Buccaneers. Um, you know, they got it done. The, the, the Bucks were able to get it done, knocked out the Eagles. Not Definitely not crying no tears for any of them. Jalen Hurts. Uh, I mean, Eagles just really, I mean. They the just fell apart. Started 10-1. and one. I mean, like, 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 once they started losing all their coordinators to head coaching jobs, they literally just, just tanked. They had like nothing left, nothing left, and towards the end of the season, everybody was beating them. I mean, unbelievable. But you know, but but let me ask you, Haven, um, what do you think? Like, what what do you think about this game? Uh, do you think that uh, you know, the Bucks have a chance? Um, or, you know, Lions is going to take care of business and get to the – can you believe it, the AFC Championship – I mean, NFC Championship game? Crazy. I mean, it's, it's going to be a close game. Um, I'm, Tim, I'm, I'm going to take the Lions. Okay. I'm going to take the Lions. Once again, I think this is going to be a close one. I, I, I really do think it's going to be close. Uh, I think the Lions' nerves are going to be up. I don't have faith in Baker Mayfield to continue to, to pull magic out of his butt. <laughs> um, I think the 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 buck stops here, and I, I'm going to go with the, with the more complete team and a more consistent team in in the Lions. Okay, yeah, fair enough. There we go. I agree with you. I think the Lions get it done. Um, you know, give me them to go ahead and get it taken care of, and they're they're in the championship game. It's going down. Last game of the day, the biggest game of the weekend: Bills Chiefs. The Bills are banged up, but they are at home. The Chiefs beat down the, uh, the the Dolphins in a game that I think everybody could see coming. Um, what do you think? Does Mahomes have some magic? His first road playoff game of his career. Uh, that's where, crazy, Where he's right? not played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's insane. But he's going to have to go on the road. It's a new environment for him. What do you think? Bills Mafia got one in him. Can they get back to the AFC Championship game? I think the Bills can. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say uh, I, I think the Bills can do it at home. Um, I expect Josh Allen to do more of that fake sliding he likes to do. <laughs> I hate that. 
And that's hard with a dude that big. When he does that fake slide and breaks you down, I mean, that's like trying – I mean, that's like, uh, you know, Roethlisberger in his prime, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, it's like, they, like the touchdown score against the Steelers. He came – the guy was right there on him. You know, they had the defense called. He was right there to make the tackle, but he broke down like he was going to slide. And as a defensive player, if you don't want to get that 15-yard penalty, you have to pull up. Yeah. And once you do that against running quarterback, it's, it's, it's a wrap. So, yeah, give me the Bills and then another close one. This is probably the best game of the four. Um, I'm going to take the Bills at home because I don't trust Mahomes on the road. Hey, you know what? We're in agreement. I, I the, the Chiefs just don't have it this year. I think the Bills Mafia got enough to get it done, but then y'all are coming to Baltimore. Hey, for Haven Harrington, this is Rashawn Myers. Big X, we out. Only locally owned sports talk, 1450 and 96.1 FM, the Big X Sports Radio, WF.